we go around the world in roughly 80 minutes. Welcome to Game Shows, I suppose. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about, game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. This is a delightful episode today as we're talking about The Amazing Race. If you want to learn more about The Amazing Race, stay tuned. But before we get to that, we got to get through the pricing game spotlight. Balance game. February 6, 2006, 3521K. Finale date Bob Barker, May 29, 2007, 4012K. Premiere date with Drew Carey, November 29, 2007, 4104K. Oh, my throat, Jesus. All right. <coughs> balance game. This new, the all new balance game. Is that what these fin game? Like, that, I remember that in New World Game Shows. Like, it's the all new balance game. It's balance game. But balance game two in some circles. It's a different version of balance game, much like bullseye. It's a different version, into which the contestant has to balance a large scale using bags filled with silver dollars, bearing the show's host to win a big prize. The contestant shown a prize in a large balance scale. The contestants then shown four bags, each representing a different money amount. One bag has the last two or three digits of the prize price on it is immediately placed on the left side of the scale. The other three bags have different multiples of $1,000 on them. The contestant selects two or of the $3,000 bags to place alongside the three-digit bag, forming their bid on the price. For example, if you have a $188 bag, placing $1,000 bag in the $6,000 bag will make the contestant's bid $7,188. A bag representing the amount of the prize price marked only with the name of the price is then placed on the right side of the scale. If this scale is balanced, the contestant wins the prize. If the scale, however, does not balance, they lose the game. This game has received its first win on the second playing from February 15, 2006. The main Rio originally had four digits. A fifth display was added May 18, 2006. When the game was first introduced on May on February 6, 2006, the bags were purposely filled with Barker silver dollars bearing the face of Bob Barker. Since its retirement, the coins have been replaced with Drew dollars, uh, which are pieces of wood covered with paper to make them look like coins. While the staff has confirmed that the bags actually contain no coins, both Barker and Carrie show one real coin to the contestant at the beginning of the game. The Barker Silver Dollars were the same ones used on the original balance game way back then, and the first contestant who won the new balance game was given one of the coins as a souvenir. Subsequent contestants, however, did not get a dollar. 
However, Drew Carey has revived the custom of giving away a Drew dollar as a souvenir for the show. On August 11, 2015, the Summer Beach Party special, the game was decorated with a mountain climber wearing surfing gear and on a surfboard. This game has received 94 wins, most recently July 7th, 2020. Should I read that as a new... What if... I'm reading this in, like, in late July. Like, I'm, re- I'm like, it literally was last week. Like, I'm recording this July 14. So, like, what, so it probably could be one again in three days, for all I know. And this won't be out till, like, what, May? No, 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 why am I saying May? Like, September? It might be up, this episode might be out in September. So, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, balance game has been played for a car 22 times, most recently January 20th, 2020. Air Dive most number of times this game was played in any season was 18. Balance game was one of five new pricing games. Bo- ba-do- ba-do- ba-do. I like this game because it's all about that thousands place. Uh, so basically, it's just here's like 1000 3000 5000 and $2,220. Uh, it, and it's kind of like an AB game, but it's an ABC game with two of the three being chosen so it's like if it's one thousand three thousand or five thousand it could be four thousand dollars it could be six thousand dollars uh it could be eight thousand dollars a b or c it's an a b or c game uh with a fun skill which is like a on on set prop which is always fun to see on the prices right uh so for me, it's a cla- it's a classic made modern. It's the it's a Crunchwrap Supreme kind of game. It's good to go, as as it were. Uh, that it's it's kind of fun to see that that dramatic does it balance does it balance when it's really some guy behind the the set just moving the scale as he sees fit. It's very funny, uh, <laughs> but no, I love I like a uh, balance game. It's a quick it's a quick game. But it's not too quick that you can have you can have fun with it, and I think that's that's kind of why the Price is Right has such great games, and the fact that this is played with a prize uh, that could be a car or like your your jet ski or your your ski boat or a trip uh, shows a versatile prize game. It's a one prize game, but it's uh, such a fun little prize game, and I think that's why. We need to show uh, some love to the balance scheme, uh, the scales of justice, the scales of price, and it's just fun. I I just think it's fun. I wish I I had. Where's my Where's my Drew dollar? That's what I want. Where's my Drew dollar? Next time on the pricing game spotlight, we're going to be stacking the deck. We'll stack the deck. The Amazing Race on CBS is brought to you by Travelocity. 
Travelocity, the app with the roaming gnome. I <laughs> just love this show so much. So this week's episode of Game Shows, I suppose, is a very exciting one because it it's one of my favorite reality shows of all time. And and look, when we always seem to neglect reality television here on Game Shows, I suppose, not because oh man, game show boop ba doop ba doo. But in the game show world, they kind of don't treat reality competition series the same way as a game show, even though I would like to think of a lot of these shows as just game shows played outside. It's not really in a studio, but it still requires competitions. It still has a format that follows and a standards and practices. Now, we've already talked about two of the big three CBS reality shows. The first one was Survivor. And man, you can just always talk about Survivor. That show is kind of have a life of its own now. We can talk about Big Brother again, which we did. Big Brother is one of those iconic game shows of all time. It's one that has global appeal as well. But the third one on CBS might actually be my favorite of them. Yeah, I mean, like there's the fandom of Survivor. There's the fandom of Big Brother. But for me, my favorite reality show, at least when it currently on the air right now, as in like take every reality show you can think of, from your your Bachelor Bachelorettes to your RuPaul's Drag Race, even though is it really a reality show? To your Bachelor Nation, to your Hell's Kitchen, to your Master Chefs, and so on. One reality show is my favorite and that is currently on the air well technically not they they had it's it's currently on hiatus mostly out of a few reasons i think i'll get into that in a bit it is called the amazing race if you have never seen the amazing race before please check this out this is one of the greatest game shows of all time because it really is just a race around the world. As in, it's a physical challenge game show based around race. And I mean race, I mean like, you know, foot race. Although, what makes this game so unique, because a race around the world is such a fascinating idea, is that it's also like mystery show almost like the mole which i want to talk about too so i'm probably going to talk about that later on in maybe a few weeks from now because the amazing race is just beautiful and it's also just a easy to understand format there are 10 teams of racers each of these racers uh are basically given these little uh envelopes envelopes have root information root information basically tells them where to go next get from one point to the other and proceed with the next envelope now what makes it so interesting is everything from the theme to the show to the uh set dressing to everything yeah i i feel like i i'm going to be bouncing all over the walls here So I want to just start with how I normally start the show. Origins. So uh, this is based on two people that I have grown to enjoy a lot. 
Bertrand van Munster and Elise. Elise Doganieri. Uh, these are two very brilliant minds in the world of reality television. Bertram Van Munster uh, did a was a, basically like a travel vlogger in the world of television. So a good chunk of his background in the world of uh, television was global. It was like, let me go to this country, look at their customs, let me go to this place, look at how this community works. Uh, let's go to this island, let's go to this height. Anything that you, you would want in the world of travel, which is a good chunk of TV, think Travel Channel, think National Geographic, Bertram was your person. He is probably one of the only producers I can think of that probably has, if, if he hasn't yet, he, he, he probably, I would, it would surprise me. He's probably the only game show producer in the entire world that has been to every country in the entire world. Because he loves travel, he loves geography. This is somebody who takes what he does seriously, but in a way where it's what can show the best qualities of any one country. Elise, uh, on the other hand, well, this is what makes it very fun. Uh, she was at the time working at ABC, Profiles from the Frontline. She was basically working in production, uh, looking at human interest stories, and uh, one day, uh, they were at NatPe. NatPe is this big uh, event held every year for pro- well, like basically formats and just like give me a pitch idea of what's your new show. And this is where it's basically like the E3 of uh, game shows, reality shows, a documentary series. This is where the deals really get made. So this is where you'll be hearing things like, this is the Cube, this is a game show that's been played in three countries, four countries, and it's a high-stakes game, an innovative technology. Or, who wants to be a millionaire? It's a classic game, but we've modernized it with new lifelines. Uh, this is where the deals get made. This is where a lot of people, I, I hate to say it, a lot of executives nowadays, a lot of uh, producers and a lot of agents, this is kind of where they have to wheel and deal. Because now the idea for a game show or reality show or anything is not, can we sell it in one country? It's, can we sell this to multiple countries so we can maximize our income? But it wasn't the way kind of back in the 90s. And Bertram there was just, you know, pitching his documentary, looking at his ideas. And Elise at the time was basically on a dare, on a whim. Can you pitch a game show, a new reality show, in less than one hour? Now, longtime podcasters would know, pitching a game show and coming up with an idea in less than an hour is one of my greatest traits. I can come up with a game show in an hour. But Elise came up with something I could not have thought of uh, even if it took me a whole month. And it's yet the simplest idea ever. A race around the world for $1 million. Basically, the real-life version of the movie Rat Race. And they would videotape it. It was chaotic. And you get to see real-life drama. Elise based this off of her backpacking trip in college with her doormate. And while they were best friends, yay, 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 they also got on each other's nerves. 
And that was the selling point behind this race around the world is, yes, there's a big money. Yes, you're going to see these great locales. But the human drama, which is what made reality television big, is the conflicts. Conflicts sell. Will be not with it against each other, but within the teams themselves as they try to accomplish different goals. It got sold to CBS, and Jerry Bruckheimer was the, one of the executive producers to create the show as well. Jerry Bruckheimer making reality television early on when it's still kind of a, a question mark if this is really a good idea. So. It got sold to CBS. It got pitched. At the time, they did not really know who to host the show. This was about the same time as Survivor being picked up. And this is like the same time as they picked up Big Brother. Now, Big Brother, Julie Chen, because they have a CBS News anchor, it would have been great. And for Survivor, there was two choices to the mix. Jeff Probst was one, and the other one was Phil Kogan. Phil Kogan at the time was working at FX as basically a wandering travelogue guy himself. Uh, most of the time in his underwear. <laughs> Whoa, what a wacky thing. But in this era, he basically played the human travelogue in, in the very early seasons of the show. It basically played up the mystery aspect of the show. Because uh, at the time, this was pre-9-11, they wanted it to celebrate basically the people. And in this race around the world, it was a the idea was you have to complete challenges to figure out your next spot. And I can't tell you where the finish line is until you complete everything. But I will tell you there are different pit stops along the way. If you are the last to end up at these pit stops, you will be eliminated. The world is waiting, and then in his iconic raised eyebrow, uh, two fingers up in the air like he's about to do one of the best uh, salsa dances in the world, and then he slams his hand down, the race begins. You will get to see two, 10 teams of two contestants. Each of them from a different country, a different walk of life, different backstory. But they're all American. So this could be the Texas ranchers. This could be some basketball players. These are people who are fitness freaks and are gym rats uh, from Florida. They have diverse casting in the show. So much so, it's really hard to judge who you think can win. Because while there is one team that might be, say, New York, police department cops on another side of the spectrum you might see like people who are like in the punk rock band they really got great casting on this show that illustrated the dynamics of each of the teams without making it stereotype yes you'll still get like the newlywed couple or you'll still get like, oh, these are the two people that were like longtime best friends, but they went their separate ways, and this is like a chance to uh, retain their friendship from high school or something. But it, they went all out, mother-son, father-daughter, uh, grandma, and, and they're like 18-year-old. It, it, it really was like some of the best casting you can get for a reality show, because 
with its diverse casting, you couldn't really pick who you think would win the show. And if you did, you would be basically uh, in a crapshoot, to say the least. So we start out in a major American city. They're told where their first country is. And guess what? It's not going to be America. This might be the starting line, but certainly isn't where we're starting the show. And they're going to be either flying to Mexico or China or Japan or any country. Think about any country in the entire world. What normally would be considered a vacation for many is actually the locales for each of these destinations. So what makes the show work already is that you would see the, the basically the countries of the world be seen as the set dressing for each of these episodes. You'll be in Italy, you'll be in France, Spain, Portugal, South Africa, Ghana, Nigeria, Egypt, uh, Bhutan. You you name a country, that they probably either thought of it or they've already been there. South Korea, absolutely. And their goal is basically to make sure you can get on at least five continents. So you will definitely be going to Europe, maybe Asia, maybe Africa, South America, and then uh, a couple Asian countries as well before making it back to North America. Rather, you're going to take a pit stop to Mexico or Greenland or Canada. That That's up in the air. But that becomes the set dressing for The Amazing Race. So, for instance, uh, we'll just throw an easy one out. You will be going to London, England. You got to fly from LAX over to London. Taking the and then once you reach the subway, because you'll be already flying out there, you'll be greeted. Uh, you'll have to take this double-decker bus to this one museum and wait your next clue. Like there, that's like multi-step. Go to the airport, take this double-decker bus, go to this place. And then you'll get your second clue. Your second clue is going to be uh, a few different options here. And this is where I got to detract from the show. Because if I just say you do stuff and then you get eliminated, it, it, I feel like it, it's not going to be good. So you're at London, England. You're on Double Decker Dust. You're at the museum. Probably, we'll say Dr. Hugh. We're at the Dr. Who Museum. And then once you get told about the Dr. Who Museum, you get immediately cut to Phil Hogan, which treats it almost like it's a documentary and this is like a now piece of information. Like this iconic TV series from BBC has been on the air for 50 years. And it's up to our teams to enter this Doctor Who museum to receive their next clue. So now the race is on. They got to get to a taxi cab to get to the airport. Hailing a taxi cab in Los Angeles, which is rare because there's... I mean, like, usually it's to the airport, but in this time of day, no. Um, they drive over there. You'll see, like, the flight longs. There are three different destinations, and it's like one flight is at 3.30 in the afternoon, one's at 4.15 in the afternoon, but the other one's at 7.20 at night. Oh, no, that's the whole three hours behind. 
So you already have grips of who can get there fa fastest because if you go dead last, you're already going to be far behind the other players. So now every moment in this race matters. But here's the thing. Because it's like taxi cab tag, you'll get people who are either really good taxi drivers and they know where they're going and they'll get directly to your destination. Or they forgot what a freeway is and they're just doing loops around because they want to build money or they kind of forgot. Now, when they, assume they fly out there, then they have to get to the double-decker bus. Sometimes they mislead and they don't know where the double-decker bus is, even though it's blatant because it's emblazoned by the iconic Amazing Race markers. The Amazing Race markers are yellow, white, and red. Symbol of the show, and also to designate, hey, this is actually means you're on the right track. Uh, and then as they go to the little box, one of a few things could happen. In early seasons, you would have things like the fast forward be an option. And a fast forward is a simple task that if you're the only one that does it, can get a immediate uh, uh, destination, almost like a fast pass to the finish line. It's a little tougher than any other challenge in the show, either by physically, mentally, uh or it's just like one of those like fear factor type challenges that's like, oh no, you gotta go on the big hype, or you're gonna go skydiving, or you gotta, uh, what was it? They they had head shaving once, and they had uh, tattoos once. It it's always like it's always like a like a weird, over the top challenge. Whoa, Nelly. Um, and in the early episodes fast forwards were almost like once per leg of the race but in later seasons you only see maybe twice a season <laughs> like it is because it's a game-changing uh move but to get to that thing to do the task it takes a lot of time as well so it it's like a do, do you want to risk going for the fast forward knowing it's an immediate trip to the finish line if you fail you got to go back here and that could eat up a lot of time and remember whoever's last might be eliminated from the race if it's not that it's a root info and it basically is like it connect the dots uh go from this place to this place now sometimes it's easy as just grabbing the envelope and getting the uh the info other times almost somewhat like the mole which i i love and i brought it up earlier you have to figure out what you're looking for and they're going to be like, look in these shelves, figure out where you need to go. And you're going to see circles. or and It's basically like a little clever puzzle. And it's like a sliding puzzle or binocular, look at the flag. Or uh, ask the right person and they'll tell you. Because you have to look for the person who matches this exact description. Very clever ideas to get the next clue. That's one way. Another way is a uh, roadblock roadblock is similar to that road info of there's a task but instead of working together and it's very simply fun clever task a roadblock stops you on your tracks you cannot continue going forward you can't do anything until one of you completes this challenge and this challenge is always something that will take up a lot of time and eat away at your soul and it's always uh, one of the best uh, challenges you can ever see. So, for for instance, uh, 
you'll see because we're pretending this is the London England episode. Um, the roadblock will be uh, one of you has to uh, perfect the uh, the uh, the royal family security. You know the, the big security with the, the the red guards, the Scottish guard. You have to replicate the Scottish guard mask. You got to put on the suit, the little red outfit, the big hat, and you got to follow to the march of the instructor. If you miss a step. You must redo it all over again. If you complete it, you'll receive your next clue. But they won't know who it is until they get answered one at one simple question: Who follow? Uh, who's? Uh, who knows? Uh, who's good with beat, for instance, or uh, who marches to the beat of their own drum would probably be that one, or uh, who who has. Uh, military perfection there'll be always something that's like subtle to what the idea is and then of the two uh one they have to talk out who is going to do the challenge without knowing what it is now sometimes it's a heights challenge just like a fast forward sometimes it's a zip line sometimes it's skydiving bungee jumping climbing up a building uh, recreating a f dance, recreating a painting, uh, trying to find the needle in the haystack, which is a iconic version of the challenge, is but that also plays into the fast into the other type of challenge, but more than just a bit. Uh, eat the gross thing, cause oh no, snakes and spiders, but or ew, I just ate something gross, but hey, that's a delicacy in this country, so eat the snails in France. Eat the haggis in Scotland. I look that that's kind of just like on the nose a bit, but it kind of it, it kind of makes sense. So you do the the roadblock challenge, and you get your next clue. Go to this way. Now, what I like is then you get to go to what becomes the most because because besides root info to get clues. And Roadblock, which is a big chunk of the Amazing Race, you then get what I love about the the show, which is something simply called a detour. And if I can try my best to replicate Phil Kogan and his iconic raised eyebrow and, and nice outfits, a detour is a choice between two tasks, each with their own pros and cons. In live stream, the players must get in a canoe and paddle boat their way across this river to the next dock over, which is about five miles away, to receive their next clue. It takes a lot of body energy, but at least it's a straightforward approach to receive their clue. In download, the players must have to go uh, uh, down these flights of stairs, rearrange the puzzle, and and stack up five blocks, and go back up the pu the stairs to hand it to the guard to receive their next clue. But if they drop the blocks, they have to go back down and rebuild with a new stack of five. This takes a lot of coordination and a lot of of, of confidence. But while it is faster. A bad balance could take away a lot of time. And then that's when you will be told, like, do you want to do the live stream or do you want to do the download? Now, sometimes it's not like, you know, 
wordplay like that. Sometimes it really is just like travel by by land or travel by sea or uh, going up or going down. And you're like, well, what's going up? What's going down? In going up, players, uh, uh, teams must go up the elevator to the 100th floor of this building. It is there they will be meeting this zipliner where they have to zipline down to receive their next clue. In going down, the players must enter the sewage system, going by maze to figure out where the right places are to receive the next clue. Uh, so it becomes a bit of a debate. And originally, those were the iconic four. You had root info, fast forward, roadblock, and detour. And that's all you really needed. It was usually there's one detour, one roadblock, and then you're told, hey, go here. So there was three steps. So they would have like uh, a big dance number one zone. In another, they would have like a school classroom. You never know. And they had little characters. So usually when they come up with these ideas... They want to tell a story, something about the cultures and customs of the country. They have a character that they want to uh, show as the sign of the country in each of these stops. So roadblock, you'll have one judge that's probably like, like for instance, a fisherman would be a judge. And it's to, you have to catch two fish and then you'll see your next clue. Uh, another, you'll see like a tribal leader and replicate a tribal dance in this little native uh, aboriginal uh, native dance to receive your next clue. Uh, others, you'll see like, here's a, like a bunch of people in ballet. If you can replicate the ballet, you win. Uh, you will go to the Colosseum and you'll see a bunch of people dressed up like Roman emperors of like early century and are told basically like hey uh if you can uh win the gauntlet of these different little mini challenges you will receive your next clue something like that's always on on foot with the amazing race now i'm i'm, I'm only going off like what's top of my head that i remember because this show has been on for over 20 years and look i can't just go like Hey, remember in the French when they had to learn French? Or, hey, remember when they went to South Korea and they had to replicate a K-pop dance number and then do an eSport? Because I did remember that. Um, sometimes they're very silly challenges, too. Um, one I remember was, I believe they went to Florence, Italy in a recent season, and the idea was you had to point out the three Italian words that would be lit up in neon lights, because we're in midnight right now. They'll be the only neon lights you will see. If you can tell me all three Italian things without, like, a pen and paper, it's all memorized, uh, you'll win. However, along the way, in this one-hour travel, you have to eat a plate of spaghetti. If you don't complete the play of spaghetti or you don't know the three words, you got to start all over again. So you got to eat another plate of spaghetti. Uh, and that is like, to me, silly as well. Uh, so when it comes to the challenges, 
it's like I, I adrenaline game. So it's like, hey, I want you to skydive out of a helicopter. I want you to rappel down the building. I want you to climb up a building. I want you to rock climb. I want you to take go down this rapid. Sometimes it's a silly routine. Memorize this, and if you get the approval of a judge, you win. Other times it's something else. Um, where, but it's like like the find the needle in the haystack, like. Literally, they had find the needle in a haystack. I wish I was kidding. They literally did that as a challenge, and it broke a few people, and I loved it. Uh, <laughs> because it's like, wh- why does this have to do with the challenges? Well, because uh, agriculture is a big part of this one area of New Zealand, for instance, or Holland. Um if there was like a bizarre sport, they would rep, they would show it off, which I kind of love also is this show because while amazing race is a race around the world and it's 10 different people trying to go through these different challenges along the way, they got to be up from us anything and they have to figure out like what's the best solution, who does best at what. And basically I, I think the the way to the secret to winning the show is you have to be open minded to everything and you can't lose your cool. Because what I've noticed time and time again is people lose their cool at the taxi cab driver or they go, hurry, 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 we're in the race. And they're in like China and the driver doesn't speak a word of English. I'm not going to try that. I'm not trying to get myself canceled today. Um, but it's it's very fun to to see like this like you can't lose your cool you if you get the the people of the country on your side and encourage you you will have the best advantage of winning the show like almost nine times out of ten that's kind of how you win the show is if the people in the country can help you and you're not losing your cool and screaming at them you win this is a show where i hate to fucking say the word i fucking hate it but you can't be a Karen. You can't be a Karen and expect to win the million dollars on the show. This is not like Big Brother. This is not like Survivor. In Survivor, there's politicking. You got to form alliances and make the votes in your favor. On Big Brother, similar. You got to make the votes in your favor. But on The Amazing Race, you don't have to be liked by all the other players. You just have to make it to the finish line and if you want to win the million bucks, you got to make it to the million dollar finish line, which is always somewhere in America. So the idea is always to make it to the final three. If you make it to the final three, you did it. We win. I, I, so it's all about trying to plan out where you're going to go with that final three. And in these early seasons where it's uh, low, if wh- whoever is last in the show is eliminated from the race now here's the thing though i said there's 10 racers there's only 12 legs in any given race so what does that mean with 10 racers and 12 legs randomly throughout the legs there will be non-elimination legs if you go to the pit stop and you're last phil kogan might not eliminate you 
So, after this exhausting day where you're probably finding a needle in a haystack, you're trying to replicate the cha-cha dance, uh, you had to go into a museum to figure out a clue, uh, you had to sell fish and chips, and you had to uh, take your photo with a, with a fake replication of the queen. You're then told uh, to meet up at the BBC Tower or something, and then there's the big placemat, and then there's Phil Kogan standing there, and then there's always uh, an advisor. There's always the greeter. The greeter is the uh, person that welcomes you to the country, even though you've pretty much already spent the day there. And you, sometimes it's a real figure, like someone who is a religious deity, someone who might be an ambassador to the country, somebody who has uh, credibility in this one area. And you'll hear them say in English, welcome to whatever. So, welcome to Australia. Welcome to uh, Japan. Welcome to uh, Saudi Arabia. Welcome to uh, Turkey, Greece, Poland, uh, Kazakhstan. I'm trying to think of every country I can think of, but I don't want to make the entire episode just Jordan understands geography because I have I got to be in geography. Although this show made me appreciate geography a lot more and appreciate a lot of countries. Um, so what I loved about Amazing Race is with a lot of game shows, and this is the thing I hate about most reality shows. Most reality shows are social games. In Big Brother, you have to be liked by the people after doing these competitions. Now, in other shows, it's just a popularity contest by the American public. But they don't do that. It's not on Big Brother anymore. BBUK, yes. Survivor, no. You don't win the million dollars being liked. You win million dollars by having the votes in your favor and the social of that. That's the same way with Bachelor and Bachelorette. If the person loves you, you get the rose. On Hell's Kitchen, if you didn't piss off Gordon Ramsay, you stay on the show. The Apprentice, if you didn't piss off the now president of the fucking United States, you you survive. Like, all of these shows is basically just being liked or disliked. And I'm not trying to play villain. Like, it's not about being liked or disliked. It's... Because I'll say, I like I said, it's not about being liked or disliked to win to uh, by the other contestants to win. It's being liked and disliked by the country. If the country's on your side, if the people, the pedestrians, the people are cheering you on because they're seeing a camera and they're seeing someone exhausted and making an ass out of themselves, they're gonna cheer you on. That's kind of the fun thing about this. But if you're eliminated, it's not because somebody didn't like you. It's because of your own merit. And I think that is something that's lacking in a lot of reality shows. The Mole, you get eliminated if you don't know the questions. On uh, the Genius Game, you fail the elimination challenge. That's the same thing on MTV's The Challenge, which is why I like it so much. You lose on your own. It's not because you know you couldn't do this. Um, American Grit on Fox a while back. To get eliminated on that show, you you had to basically lose the endurance challenge and ring the bell. Same with solitary. On your own merit, you're pushing the button, and you're out. So in the amazing race, 
to be eliminated from the show, you and your partner, after going through a very crazy day of different challenges and basically trying not to lose your cool on different physical, mental, and and, and, uh, puzzle-based challenges, you didn't come in last place. That's it. If you come in last place, which, by the way, Phil Cogan will bring up some important event, like... We are here at Ayers Rock. We are here at this dock. One scene as the landing place for this iconic moment is now the pit stop for the fourth leg of the race. The last team to arrive here may be eliminated. Now, he always says may be eliminated, which is always a clue. It's a may. Now, when you see the eliminations... And everyone's, like, making their way there. And they're exhausted. It's down to either hours or minutes. The pit stop is there. That last team to arrive, they're exa- the first team to arrive there, they win a prize. We'll get to that in a bit. But that last team, they are exhausted. They are just like, I don't want to. I had a rough day. And here's Phil Kogan looking at them going, sorry to say, you are the last team to arrive and have been eliminated from the race. And they just cry, and they're like, oh, man, it's over. But other times, they're exhausted, and they're like, oh, no. We're gone. We're done. I'm so sorry, Phil. We tried. And Phil's standing there. And he's tearing up. He's like, I loved you guys. You're great. This was just not your day. But I'm sorry to say you are the last team to arrive. But fortunately, this is a non-elimination race, so you will continue on racing. They start jumping for joy. However, <laughs> because of its non-elimination race, they have decided, you know what? we got to make this a little challenging. In early seasons, <laughs> they decide, you know what would be great is if you don't get any money. And you have to basically beg, borrow, and deal, and talk to strangers, and ask for money, which is uh, illegal in certain countries. And I think they learned that the hard way. Uh, In others, uh, they basically lost all their belongings, so they don't get any more luggage. So they're just stuck with the clothes on their back, keep racing, and that's kind of... I, I say another crap. I hate. I hate anything was like personal belonging. Bye bye, because it's like to me that's like the mole. It's kind of like this. It's like okay, so you're taking away some last shred of like who they are for. I guess a reason. It's a mental thing. I don't know. I to me, I feel like if anything, they should be having more luggage and just like that adds as a weight. <laughs> Like, oh, in addition to carrying your luggage, you have to carry uh, Phil Kogan's luggage to the next leg of the race. If it's not here, you're instantly gone. Um, but they've changed it to the, in the last runs of shows, to the much better, easiest, greatest, best version of it. Simply called the Speed Bump. The speed bump is one challenge that the last team to arrive must complete. Uh, they have to basically accomplish that stunt before going through with the remaining ones. Now, to me, that's e- that's better because that can give them an, somewhat of an edge, but it still kills away at the one thing that they need, which is time. As they're already in last place, 
and everyone's just moving on plus eight hours or nine hours or 10 hours because they need to eat and sleep and take a nap and then rest and then they continue. Uh, those serve as important building points in the episode. So a speed bump works because not only are you like one hour behind everyone else, now you have to do this one challenge that takes up another hour. It's like assemble Ikea furniture in the Ikea a warehouse in, in Sweden. And they're just screaming at each other. By the way, that was my favorite <laughs> challenge. Um, but no, like that's that's kind of what makes it work is you're gone on your own merit. So if you lose, you lose as a team. They're going to point fingers at, well, it's your fault, your fault. But it's neither your fault. It's it's just how the show was. That's how the show is designed. It's designed to test relationships. Uh, but later on, they decided, you know what? Because I, to me, this, these are the ones I, I just... I just go question mark on is they had different challenges after that. So yeah, speed bumps are fun. That's a new challenge, but they decided, you know what? We need to do more. Uh, for instance, there's intersections, which is a task where two of the teams have to work together for the duration of the round, while intersected, teams are required to perform either detours or roadblocks or fast-forwards together. So it becomes a four-person group. Eh. Because now you're trying to form bonds and do-do-do. Another is a yield. If you yield somebody, they kind of have to be on timeout. Now, it's only used once per race. Uh, and it's basically kind of like, hey, you're stuck here for an hour. And that could eat away at someone's time. But you see, another race team put that on you. So you got to be friends with everybody. And that's when the show becomes just, I, I say, terrible and awful. Now, you have to complete a challenge. You'll see the sign, and then you can qualify to use it. But I still feel like that's kind of like, oh, we're just banana peeling in our team on the Mario Kart. Like that, that to me now that becomes not like a race. Now it becomes just kind of like we need to strategize and we need to form alliances and we need to know who's the strongest and the weakest so we can eliminate the weakest player. When I can almost say confidently, they always want to gang up on the best team, and then if the best team loses, then it's like, well, did you really need to win the million bucks because you lost you you won the million bucks but you had to sideline three different teams to get there so you didn't really lose win on your own merit you you had to play dirty just like everyone else in this game now they also changed it so u-turns are now a thing which are very fascinating so a, a detour is a choice between two tasks, each with their own pros and cons. But what if you U-turn somebody? What that means is, after they completed the one detour, the choice of two tasks, they are then forced to do the other task as well, to eat away at the time. This is also one of those sabotages in the race. Fun. 
I, I, I mean, I, U-turns have now become an exciting thing with the Amazing Race community, and that's become as like iconic as saying like a detour because then there's caution you turn ahead but i still feel like at its core amazing race is supposed to be a race around the world and whoever's the fastest at completing the challenges wins when you see things like a yield or a u-turn well now you're just kind of like well i want to be friends with people so they don't hurt me in this race uh, I don't want to come in first place every so often because then I'm saying as a threat and they're going to throw the U-turns at me. So do I just throw this race? Do I throw this competition and make it in second and third place so it don't seem so bad? Like it doesn't, it takes away from the amazing race. Now at every pit stop, when you're meeting by the greeter and Phil Kogan, he will tell you if you need to go back and you missed a challenge. But at the same time, he'll also do something like tell you what place you are. You are the second team to arrive. You're the fourth team to arrive. You are the first team to arrive. And if you are the first team to arrive, you will get a prize. Now, sometimes it's just like $5,000 or $10,000. Sometimes it's new television. Sometimes it's a lovely vacation or trip somewhere in another country. So it's you've won a trip to Panama, you have won a trip to Colombia or Brazil, or uh, you're going on an island cruise holiday to the Bahamas. And like those, that's fine and all, because at one point, it, the second last race is the car, and it's like, wow, I can't believe you want a brand new car. And that final one, that final leg of the race, one million dollars. That's all they're really playing for. So you're not just winning a million bucks. You're, you are winning a million bucks and a few prizes along the way. So there's encouragement to actually get first place because you're going to win a cool prize. It's not like you win a power advantage like in other shows, although some seasons they decided that's a good idea in leg one. Uh, such, as the fa- such as a fast pass where you can just zip on past a challenge and just uh, go on to get the next clue. Switchbacks are a task based on the iconic task played on an earlier season of The Amazing Race. Uh, and that's later ones too. Like basically just a, hey, remember this? And then it's like, there's all these things like double U-turns. You can do two teams can do it. Or there's blind U-turns. You can blind a team, but they won't tell you who it did it. And they have like all sorts of other modern ways of trying to advance the show. And to me, when they start adding a lot more gimmicks to The Amazing Race was when I just started going, oh no, oh no. Because to me, what made The Amazing Race work is that every episode is a different country, a new adventure, and you would still have some modern things like this is the roadblock of the episode. This is the fast forward of the episode. This is the detours of the episode. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. But they kind of, I'm either it's because of production or because CBS says, hey, we need new twists and turns. This is reality television. They start doing all sorts of new things. Like one was you have to complete a challenge at the pit stop. So you can be locked in, but you have to wait for another team to arrive. 
And when there's down to two other players, whoever's the one to lose that challenge uh, is eliminated from the race. Or everyone gets to vote, and whoever team gets the most votes gets a disadvantage and must take the speed bump before going on. And it's just, oh, Jesus. And while I love that every episode is a different country, I think because of budgetary reasons, they have to now double up on this on a few countries. So now there's two episodes in 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 Italy or France, or two Russian episodes, or we're we're going to two parts of Australia, or we're going to do uh, two parts of Canada. It's always just like, to me, that's kind of just when it becomes like, oh, no, they're not giving enough confidence to the show, and they're in that last-ditch desperation. And I don't want the show to end because desperation attempts and CBS has no confidence in the show. This show has lots of confidence. This show should be, ooh, I'll look at this country. Ooh, I'll look at this. Ooh, I'll look at that. Because with Survivor, you're stuck on the island. The island's the character. In Big Brother, you're in the Big Brother house. Big Brother house is the character. But on The Amazing Race, the world, the entire world is your show. And I'm guessing budget reasons, they're cutting it down. Or maybe safety reasons. I do not know. But later runs of the show have kind of made it almost like gimmicks like second chance episodes which is like okay you know what that's fine to do like a double up uh others they did like an all-stars and they usually do like an all-stars uh in one season they decided you know what season i think it was 28 season 28 of the amazing race was the last one i saw in full and i kind of was wincing the entire time this is the season where they decided, you know, it'd be fun is if we had social media people. Now, this was in 2015, 2016, I think. And you had choreographer dancers. Uh, you had uh, Instagram models and pro Frisbee players. And it just, like, it, it was kind of weird. They had, like, the people who did Clever videos at the time. Remember Clever? They had Zach King. Remember the Magic Vine guy? He, he was there. They had... They had Bernie Burns from Rooster Teeth on the show. And the idea was, look, it's Bernie and Ashley. They do video games. They're the gamers. And then they had Tyler Oakley and uh cory i th I think that's his, his best friend and it's like tyler oakley from as long as i remember him on youtube was like a mugging the camera guy and then i think the show kind of made him a bit more humble that he kind of became more sincere in his youtube and no longer the crazy nutty guy and kind of was like no actually i should fight for what i believe in like lbgt rights and uh, uh, being who you are and it's like I think this show may have changed his image a bit of Tyler Oakley um, because 
He's one of those YouTube stars that you just keep getting annoyed by. Bernie and Ashley were the ones I was rooting for at the season. Why? Because I'm a fan of Rooster Teeth content. I've, I think that's kind of established. I've reviewed Hardcore Tabletop and Hardcore Mini Golf here, which both are okay. I I was a, like I when I was like in a, a high schooler, Red versus Blue was like a really cool thing because there was not a lot of video content online. So it's kind of like, oh, the guy who made that is on this show. That's kind of cool. And like Ashley Jenkins is one of the original frag girls. So it's like, whoa. And I know her because man, I sure love watching people do FPS gaming back in the day too. So I was kind of like, I'm rooting for them. And uh, they got second. They got they got basically got the penultimate leg uh, elimination, which is the worst elimination to get. That is a thing I hate the most in the Amazing Race. There's only two things you don't want to get eliminated: in the first leg of the race because you feel like you you could have had so much more to look at, or the penultimate leg when you are at that last country before going into the final three to go to the to go to America. That's the worst position to be in. Because uh, you went through everything, but you weren't good enough to go to like Las Vegas or Miami or New York or Chicago to get that last little few challenges out of the way. Uh, so when we get to, <laughs> so I was kind of bummed, and also that was at the time when uh, the giant bomb controversy hit, and as a fan of giant bomb as well, I was kind of like, ah, oh, come on, man, no. Um, needless to say, it was kind of funny hearing that when Bernie, uh, returned to work, hearing what happened at Giant Bomb with Fallout, uh, New Vegas, I think that was the game, he got, oh no, it was Fallout 76, Fallout 76, he got pissed off, and you know what, I, 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 I can, I can understand that, I can understand that, Bernie, um, you know what, Bernie's cool. <laughs> Uh, so, so uh, going into like that final leg, that twelfth leg, the final million dollar leg, you've gone through a lot of countries. You may not know this. You have you visited Africa. You may not know this. You went to two different South American countries. You visited three countries in Asia and two in Europe. You are exhausted. You do not know what day is what because you've been on a plane for most of this time. So you're very jet lagged. But to win the million dollars, all you got to do is finish one final leg. The big finish line, you got to get through one final roadblock, one final detour. And you have an advantage because this is your home country. You are playing in Seattle, Washington. You are playing in Portland, Oregon. You are playing in Dallas, Texas. And in that leg of the race... It becomes Phil Kogan just saying, welcome to America. Did you know this sport is very popular? Hey, you know, uh, like we're here in New York, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. In this roadblock, all the player has to do, all the player, the the runner has to do is uh, eat 40 uh, hot dogs to receive their next clue. That's it. I, I think that's that's kind of like the fun part of the show. And then it's, of course, 
hey, can you remember like what countries you were in what time? And can you remember what the countries looked like? Or what was like the state capital? Because did you know that every episode of the season, we were at the capital building of the countries? Like we weren't fetching. Did you notice that? Yeah, I hope you did. Because in this final challenge, what's the capitals of each of these countries that you visited with the country you went to? And that receives the key to the final round. You have to run maybe like half a mile down the finish line while all the eliminated contestants are standing there right at the finish line with you going, yeah, you did it. And when you get to that finish line, if you're first place and you actually like legally completed it, you get that big important final thing. You get Phil Kogan going like, 21 days, uh, six continents, over 12,000 miles I'm here to say blah, blah, and blah, blah. You are officially the winners of the amazing race and the winners of the million dollar prize. And then they're just celebrating. And it's like, that's a feel good moment. Uh, that's, that's kind of what I enjoy. Uh, and then they kind of just like, they keep playing with like, let's let everyone finish. And then we'll recollect for like a good three minutes. What a great experience it has been. But they decided to do a lot of gimmick casting. Like, 31 was reality TV hosts. and Well, not hosts, like, like contestants. And on 32 was the most recent season they were going to do. And um, this one was going to be... Uh, season 32 was the most recent season. And they were in the process of filming it. But the um, they finished that race. Um, it looks like they kind of spoiled where they are going. They're going from Los Angeles to the Hollywood Bowl. Hell yeah. All the way to Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, apparently they're going to Brazil, France, Germany, Kazakhstan. And then New Orleans is the finish line. Um, but then when they were about to start season 33... Because they just finished recording this season. Season 33, uh, they were in the middle of two countries. I think they went to London. And then suddenly, oop, freeze. Because COVID hit. As we are all suffering right now because of the coronavirus, the show had to come to a freezing halt. Safety is a main issue here. And... They had to postpone the most recent season of The Amazing Race. The one you're going to see on TV, probably by the time this episode airs, was filmed a year ago. This, this right now, the, the, the season they were supposed to film, impossible because of COVID. And while I love this show so much, I remember being in middle school. I think I was... 11 or 12 like sixth grade and everyone was like oh you want to do they did that whole outdoor excursion thing you know that science camp week where it's like let's all go camping and learn about squirrels and stuff i don't give a shit about camping i'm not an outdoorsman but i i i ditched because one i got sick the very next day like tuesday i was sick i wasn't feeling well and then Wednesday, because it aired Wednesdays at 8, was the finale of The Amazing Race. And I 
wanted to see who wins the very first season of The Amazing Race. And I thought it was worth it. Because you got to think this. What makes The Amazing Race work, and I haven't brought this up the entirety of the show so far, because it's all been just the countries and the format. This is a well-oiled machine as a production. Every team gets their own camera guy and their own sound guy. There's four people in a group already. They're running down like it's cops. So if they're running, there's the camera guy chasing like supermarket sweep. Rather, it's in an airport, in a building, at a shopping center. It doesn't matter. There's a camera guy there. There's other camera guys all over the place as well. You have another crew in addition to every member of the team getting their own sound guy and camera guy. And they have to double up as like they have to have another backup crew in the background who has to basically log everything. In production, logging is everything, especially in a reality show. So some poor person has to keep track of what each contestant's doing. So-and-so is over here. So-and-so did this. At 8.43, this person talked to this person. Oh, that's a total stranger. I have to ask a release. Hey, can you sign this? We're on a TV show. I need your likeness because we're airing this on CBS. They have to sign it. And they have to keep that going for the entirety of maybe 20 days. Now, the teams and camera crews switch with every leg, so you never know who you're going to get. But at the same time, while that production's going on, as each team has their own individual crew and their own camera guy, sound guy, a logger, a release form person, and someone trying to make sure the long the time because... If something broke, like say, oh, the camera guy is not recording, the ti- the camera broke, uh, you don't do anything. You have to freeze, and we're just going to save you the time. So, hey, uh, our camera guy ran out of tape. It's going to take 12 minutes, so take a break, and we'll deduct 12 minutes from the race time. So that way, like when you enter the pit stop, uh, instead of it being at 7.58, we're counting it at 7.46. Is that okay? Okay. And it's also well a machine that as each of these production crews have their thing, there's another uh, crew at the same time following Phil Kogan. Phil Kogan is either one day early than everyone else or filming this at the same time as everyone's eliminated. So he is at every destination, and it's beautiful. We're talking amazing shots. Like, these are, like postcard quality photos and videos of people villages iconic landmarks and phil is giving research so there's also a researcher on board to make sure like in 1758 this building burnt down but 100 years later it was reconstructed now celebrating its 250th year this little building has been entertaining people in this community and for this challenge all the player has to do is find the seat that has the clue there are over 1,000 seats here, but there is got to be one. Uh, and it's just that fun, fascinating race and chase kind of thing. And then you got to think the coordination. Someone has to make sure the B group is already at the next country. Somebody has to make sure the other flight crew is already taken care of because of flight logs, travel logs, hotel reservations food like they have to make sure every person's needs are safe and met properly 
everyone has post like has passports and in a big part of the show they have a little fanny pack that has like all their key information typically it's root informations money and most importantly their passports if they lose their passports not only they're fucked in this race they're fucked in real life because now we have to call amstrad we have to call like every fucking like like uh international company we have to call every ambassador and go like hi uh can we can we we need your help here we lost our passports why we're doing a game show what because that's very important information. It's very crucial too. So there has to be a production of every location, every landmark, background research on these buildings for Phil to give the, the explanation. A challenge team making sure they have something that's similar to every famous landmark. So hey, we gotta make a pizza. You gotta toss the pizza in the air. Da, 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 da. Or you're in the French area. If you can... Uh, if you can uh, mime this, you will win next clue or so, something like that. That they have to have every little piece of information along the way. And that's what I think makes the show also work. Is It's such a powerhouse production and there has to be a lot of coordination with a lot of different members in a lot of different gears, a lot of people pulling different wires at every different time to make the show run, and it worked. It works every time. It shocks everybody. And someone has to plot out what countries are we doing this season. Someone Nowadays, it's like, okay, uh, we already did that three seasons ago. We got to do this now. We haven't done that yet. Oh, would be fun to do that. Oh, can we go like... Uh, skiing downhill in 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 these big uh, in the Appalachian Mountains, would it be cool to like get near the peak of Mount Everest? Where are some destinations we have yet to see on the show and pinpoint and plot and make it feasible? Like, hey, you gotta go here, travel by this, go through a taxi, travel by this, go by train, and somebody actually has to physically do that before they even qualify it and i know who you're what you're saying who's going to be the person that has to run the race before the teams do executive producer bertram and munster <laughs> bertram walks the walk and talks the talk so he's the guy who's rugged enough to be like i'll do it i'll go up here it would not surprise me if I find out like he was hang gliding and he was doing all of these extreme stunts as well on the show as well. Cause, cause that seems like the kind of person he is as well. Uh, so one is focused on the human in interaction. One's focused on the geography, the cultures, the customs of the entire world in a fascinating format that has, by the way, won several Emmy awards. In fact, the reason I really wanted to bring up this now is it won an Emmy for Best Reality Show. It won it the first seven years after the award was created in 2003. And in 10 of the 12 years since its creation, uh, more popular shows like Survivor Dance with Stars and Idol, uh, its streak was broken in 2010 with Top Chef, by the way. 
The show just has amazing cinematography. It has amazing visuals. It has this amazing... I you know I'm saying amazing, you know it's called The Amazing Race. I just realized that. Uh, it has great cinematography, visuals, challenges. It's smart enough to try and educate you and inform you on different locations while at the same time making you focused on these teams doing the challenges because reality television, most of the time you can't play along to the show. You have to watch in the eyes of a contestant. And 50-50 chance it has that aspiration, ooh, I want to do that. Me, I don't think I want to be a contestant on The Amazing Race. Not because, like, oh, I, I will fail and I would suck. I think I would do okay on the show. I don't think I'll actually win. I'm not as athletic as others. I, I, I gas out after, like, one mile running. Um, even half a mile sometimes. But what I like is that, like, I would love to see, like, the locations because the way that they present the show, it's, that looks like fun. That looks like cool. Man, you got to meet so-and-so. You got to do this, and they got to do that. Where it's even different experiences that you don't even get to see if you booked a vacation to these countries. Like, at no point, you, I mean, you can go on the fastest roller coaster in the entire world. No problem. Um, but I don't think you can book, like, going into the tallest building in the tallest tower in the entire world and have it look like you were in a middle of like a mission impossible movie for instance um so for me i love this show because it won emmys it shows the good in the world and most of the time the good teams win like the ones you that deserved it when it's not just like editing to see who's the villain who's not because most of the time everyone's going to be doing a dick move everyone's going to lash out at each other that's just common but with the show with amazing race that challenges are smart the the research done is beautiful and I think the only downfall of Amazing Race is because it's not Survivor where it has the iconic background and the cult appeal because we love to call things like Survivor Tribe Spoken. And unlike Big Brother, where Julie Chen Moonves is the one running the operation, it's, and either way, it's not, that's not even true. She's, she's a host, she's the executive producer, but they keep it on because for Big Brother, they get to... Uh, sell CBS All Access. They sell streaming. So Big Brother serves as the revenue stream for their subscription service now. That's a second revenue stream for CBS. So they're going to keep Big Brother on until it's like financially not a good idea. And they'll keep Survivor on as long as they can. So that just makes Amazing Race. Well, in Love Island, but Love Island is new. That means Amazing Race is the third show. And while it's won Emmys in the past, it hasn't really won anything since. And CBS, I think, is trying to push this show away more than any of the others. Which hurts me a lot. Because I think this is the show I'm glued to. I want to see the race. I want to know this. But based on what I'm seeing with like double legs in different countries, that tells me budget. CBS isn't giving them a big enough budget to do multiple countries at a time anymore. With the addition of like of like yields and and U turns and blind U turns and blind double U turns and uh, double vote U turns, 
it sounds like they don't have confidence in their own gameplay and format anymore because they have to do these reality show tropes of backstabbing and in, in, uh, forming alliances to get what you want, which isn't really in the spirit of The Amazing Race because in its core, it's not about your relationships with other teams. It's about the team itself, the couple that wins the show. And I think what ultimately was the downfall of Amazing Race was at one point they did a family edition. Family editions of reality shows are the worst versions of reality shows because when you're trying to do reality TV, the idea is you're supposed to like sculpt a character. Who is the person in the Big Brother house? Who is the person in Survivor? Who's like the team that we're seeing on The Amazing Race? And they almost have to be typecasted in a way. So you have to have like, oh, this guy's... So like for if it was me, I'd be like, oh, this is, this, this is the scheming guy because he's planning everything out and he thinks he knows everything and he's like a detective and he's eyeballing things, but he has a sense of humor. He thinks he knows it all. What a wisecracking asshole. But then they might see me like talking to somebody and like make sure everything's okay. And they might edit it so like I'm the compassionate guy. I'm the one who's looking out for everybody. It'll be okay. Uh, it, I mean, I know it's just a game, but we never know what's going to happen every day anyway. Let's just all hang in there because that would obviously be something I would say. And they would frame me as the hero. So hero villains all based on production of reality television. When it's one person, it's very, very easy because that one person can be turned into anything. Oh, he's from California, so he'll be the surfer gimmick. Or you're from New York, you gotta be like a hot shot. Hey, what's it going now, man? And it's like, but that's not every New Yorker. New Yorkers have different boroughs, and every borough is a different kind of uh, act. So then you, you, you have to like make sure you can create characters, what's their likes and dislikes inform things when you do a couple show like amazing race you can't really give everyone an individual character but you can go like well that's the married couple that's the athletes that's the uh the skateboarders and you you form it up like that's the typecast but then you're like well what how are they handling going into a country where they don't speak english and they're just like they're just like miming or pointing at stuff or like faking stuff and they're getting help and they're like, wow, these people are very friendly and like, then you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. That's kind of what makes Amazing Race tick. So when you're doing family editions of shows, rather that's Fear Factor or The Amazing Race or uh, what was it? Here Goes the Neighborhood on CBS, that flopped show. You're begging for trouble because when you do a family show, you have to now write four different characters, like the mom, the dad, the two kids. That's always the thing. It's like the nuclear family, the mom, the dad, the two kids. Sometimes, because of modern inclusivity, you'll get the uh, adopted kids, the interracial couple, and the two kids. You'll get the same-sex couple and the two kids. Or you'll just get, for some strange reason, the single dad or the single mom and the three kids. And that's what you wind up. Or the aunt and the three kids. Why? Because then you have to tell a story. Oh, the parents died, so the aunt has to take care of it. So we're the sympathetic family you should root for. Or some other... Th and 
when you get to that then it's like well now we're not really caring about like the little brother of the show who's like nine years old we're not caring about the teenager on the show we're not thinking about like the dad who's like supposed to be the fun dad yet every almost every show has the fun dad uh that it's like well then what's the point what's the purpose that it flops so when they did amazing race family edition they decided you know it'd be great is how about we do a family edition but it's all here in america they really just went with like let's just have it be from one state to another state and still try and do the different legs it was if it, it just doesn't work and plus you couldn't get kids to travel around the world the, the, the races are limited for foreign travel with kids um so there was no way to really reboot the show so when you saw seven seasons award 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 season eight shows up and it's the family edition and it's just like Families will now transport over to Williamette, Pennsylvania, where this guy dressed as Benjamin Franklin will receive their next clue. You're just like, why? Why am I watching this? Whatever happened to going to Vegas? Like, whatever happened to, like, Monte Carlo? Let's all go over to, like, Sweden. Let's all go to Holland. You know, windmills. Let's go see the Netherlands and go see the windmills. No, no windmills. No Ireland. We're not going to go to Ireland and and just show the Irish pub. We're not doing that anymore. Okay, we're going straight to Texas and doing ranching. Okay, there there's more than Texas and this ranching, but okay, I see your point. It just wasn't fun, and that was what crashed and burned Amazing Race. Because of that crash and burn, the family edition is what caused them to basically try and do radical changes season after season. To the point of the amazing race of now is just kind of like every other reality show. When I think if they did a back to basics approach, where it simply is just you go back to here is like it has to be a mix of mix of both. You don't do U turns though. You do the roadblock detour pit stop, roadblock detour pit stop. But then there's a fast forward somewhere along the way. Roadblock detour fat. You keep going. Non elimination rig. Well, you're getting the speed bump. But other than that, it's still going to be roadblock, fast forward, do to do. Because while the challenges seem to be over and over again, which is kind of weird, I think you can do a lot more than just like spot the difference puzzles and kneel in haystack and do the dance routine. I think they have to f- smarten up their, their challenges too. Because otherwise people are going to just fall asleep on the show again. And I think that's why the show is kind of fizzling out i love the amazing race this is one of the best reality shows ever created because you get to learn history you get to learn geography you get to see the world in the eyes of a game show which is kind of fascinating in its own world because the last time i got that was carmen san diego in the 90s and you have phil kogan who feels like the ultimate like travel buddy you want to be friends with the guy as he's like hey let's go mountain biking over here or let's do the tour let's try and replicate the tour de france let's get on bikes and do the tour de france route wouldn't that be fun that like that sounds like what the show works and that's what makes the show look good and that's why i like the show but it feels like they have to do tricks and gimmicks and stunt casting just to stay afloat 
and because of COVID where they have to freeze the race, it would not surprise me if the show comes to an end, which to me hurts. This show is, is not just in, in America. This show has gone international. There's an Australian version. There's an Asian version. Uh, there's a Canadian version. And each one of them still has that same level of, of enjoyment. And I don't... And I remember watching one time the, uh, the Asian version on AXN Asia. And that was hosted by Alan Wu. And I love that version a lot, too. That was one of my favorites because, keep in mind, they're in Asia. So all of the countries were from, all the casting was one from different countries of Asia. And Alan Wu is basically from Singapore, but he's also an American actor. And they had, like, come to the United States, go to Universal Studios, and do movie challenges. And I thought, this is fun to me. This is, this is exciting. And nowadays like the million dollar race around the world while it's good on paper lots of things to have against it covid is one thing we have lost our ability to do travel Two, hate to say it donald trump has ruined america's reputation with the rest of the world that like doing a game show in different countries just feels like almost borderline insulting to them like, hey, we think you suck. Fuck you. Hey, are you interested in having like a bunch of like couples scream at each other in your in your country for like two days as we're filming a game show? And if it's not that, if it's not COVID, it's not Donald Trump ruining the relations with the rest of the world. You also now have basically people not really wanting to travel anytime soon. So I suggest. If I was to have any control over the Amazing Race, which I don't, not at all, I would just end the show and put it on ice. Much like the X Factor in the UK, you put it on ice, you know it's a successful format, you leave it, you just sit it through for maybe two years, three years. You just let it go. You make it pretend like the show's over, we're never bringing it back. And then... 2024 2025 midway through this decade it's amazing races back phil kogan will still be there there's still going to be roadblocks new challenges new locales new destinations and then you could still do eiffel tower or the great wall of china and other similar landmarks that you remember and you keep this game exactly as it is you just update the technology you make sure travel is safe you make sure when people return to the show, they're looking at it in fresh eyes. Like, ooh, ah, oh, this is cool. Because it feels to me like I think it's burnout mixed with CBS not having trust in the show anymore. Which is what makes this so annoying. But I love the show and I recommend you check out Amazing Race. Early seasons, modern seasons, it doesn't matter. The Amazing Race is such a great show. What Lots of wonderful contestants from ranchers to Harlem Globetrotters, to, I guess, Rooster Teeth executives, that it's always a fun journey in the world in the eyes of these people. And I think that because of where we are now, you got to put an end to it. And it hurts. It hurts me to say that because it's, one of my it's my favorite CBS reality show. And I can't wait to see every, every race. And I can't wait to hear Phil Kogan. And I can't wait to hear, like, Phil Kogan do Phil eliminations and go, I'm sorry, you've been eliminated from race. Or even more embarrassing, the team couldn't make it to the pit stop. It's been three hours. 
Phil is like impatient now that he has to physically travel by car over to where the team is because they've been stuck on the same uh, find the needle in the haystack puzzle or the same uh, dance routine puzzle. And they're just standing there exhausted. And here's Phil going, I'm sorry, every other racer has made it to the finish line. You have been eliminated from the race. They couldn't even make it to that finish line. That's the best part of the show. Phil Kogan and his hosting demeanor, his adventurous spirit, and the way the show says that, hey, we are all on this planet together. Every country tells its story. And here are everyday Americans taking a journey where they're going to countries they've never expected to visit, had no idea they were going to visit, and have to go through different challenges that they had no clue what they got themselves into. Even if they've seen every season before that, they still get shocked. That's what makes the show work. And while I hate to say maybe it's time to put it on ice, I am always up for another journey and another race. And that does it for us here on Game Shows, I suppose. Until then, safe travels.